This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. I just asked Mike how long. He said, whatever you want. <laughs> so now I have no idea how long. Thank you, Jesus. I believe um, tonight is going to end with, as, as Michael shared, people in this room being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. That's what I saw during worship in my spirit. And, I, and then Michael mentioned it. And I believe that that is is a a very real word for us tonight, this particular house, but really the church of Jesus in the nations. So may the Lord speak to our hearts tonight. May May he display the beauty of Jesus, even by the gifts of the Spirit, inspiration and revelation and power. As Michael mentioned, we've we've been serving the Lord in the Middle East, in Iraq for, for nine years. This fall will make nine years. And, and what Michael did here just moments ago, preaching the gospel, is, is, is a large part of what we do. We preach the gospel to people in Iraq, people from Syria that live in Iraq, people from Iran, primarily to Iraqis. And, and Jesus is revealed, and amongst them, through a variety of ways, whether it's face-to-face at a table in a cafe, whether it's through our online platform of evangelism, whether it's in an outreach or visiting a sick person that heard that prayer in the name of Jesus heals. Amongst those, some turn, repent, place their faith in Jesus, and then they gather together in the context of family and church. The goal of God in redemption is to gather for himself, is to call to himself a people that will be filled with his spirit. Amen? That would be filled with his glory. You guys can turn to Mark chapter 11. And as you do, I think all of us have experienced the presence of God. Amen? All of us, all of us have experienced the presence of God. But I would submit to you, if you don't already know, that there are measures to the presence of God. There are measures to the presence of God. There are grades or degrees of glory. We see it when God called the people of Israel out of Egypt to Mount Sinai to covenant with the people. The reason you got born again, some of you that responded to the message today, the reason Israel was set free from slavery and captivity According to Moses, by the mouth of the, of the Lord himself, is that they would go up to the mountain and worship him. Amen? And it's there that they don't just worship for, for a moment. They don't just sing a song for a moment. God covenants with them there. In essence, he marries them there. And we see that there are measures of his glory. Moses is allowed all the way up the mountain, but not all the people. Then we see the tabernacle. God, now they're called to move into the promised land, and God wants to move with them, and he gives them very specific instructions on how to build a tabernacle where he will dwell in their midst. 
God is into the how. Amen. He's jealous about, it's not just the what, it's the how as well. And then we see in the, in the, 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 the schematics of the, of, of the tabernacle, there's an outer court, there's an inner court, there's a holy of holies. And the deeper you move in, the greater the intensity of God's presence is. Listen, we can all say God is everywhere, God is omnipresent, and it's true. But there's a, there's a vast difference between the omnipresence of God and the personally felt presence of God. Amen? And there's a difference between the personally felt presence of God. You may feel God all over you. The person next to you may feel nothing. Right? The omnipresence of God is we can say God is everywhere right now. He's in every bar in Orlando. He's everywhere. God is, God is in every continent. God is in the ocean. He's at the bottom of the ocean. He's in space. Yes, God is everywhere. But the felt presence of God is different. But even with the felt presence of God, there's a difference between what you sense and what the person next to you senses. That's different than the manifest presence of God, right? The glory of God. Nobody walking into the Holy of Holies would have said, I don't feel anything, right? Nobody. Maybe on the outer parts of the outer courts, if they didn't look up and see the fire burning, but maybe the fire didn't do it for them. You know, it's interesting. Familiarity can breed contempt. Maybe, but once... Once they started to get close to the presence and the glory of God, men began to tremble. So Mark chapter 11, starting in Mark chapter 11, Jesus, it says in verse 1, drew near to Jerusalem, I'm reading from the ESV, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. So Jesus is drawing near. The Mount of Olives is very, very close to Jerusalem. How many of you guys have been to Israel before? You can see where the temple was from the top of the Mount of Olives. And Bethany, historically, was about two miles away from Jerusalem. So Jesus draws near, and we'll skip down for the sake of time. And what happens in the story is that Jesus finds the foal or the offspring of a donkey, which means up to about a year, maybe a couple of years old, and he gets on this beast of burden, this very humble animal. He doesn't find the most majestic horse or in the Middle East, camel in the land, right? He finds a humble donkey's colt and he rides into Jerusalem. And as he does, the people are celebrating, but we know the story. These same people that are celebrating now when it's trendy, because everybody else is celebrating, will be the same ones that vote crucify when it's not trendy, right? That's what happens. So Jesus chooses intentionally this animal because he's a meek and humble king. 
And he goes down in verse 11, he enters Jerusalem. And when he goes into the temple, he looks around at, at everything. As it was already late. And then he goes back to Bethany with the 12. So he comes to Bethany. Most Bible scholars believe that Jesus spent his, the last week of his life in Bethany. It's where we read the, the farewell discourse, the John 13 through 17 took place in Bethany. A place where Jesus feels at home. Jesus feels at home in Bethany. Now I know that, that that's a special word to this house. Right, Bethany? Just, Jesus feels at home in Bethany. But it's interesting because the temple was the house of God in the earth. Not just in Israel, in the earth. And Jesus is two miles up the road. God's desire has always been to marry the heavens and the earth. The purpose of salvation is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's a people that would be possessed by God on the earth. The overlap of Eden and earth, where men and God become one by the Spirit of God coming to dwell within. Amen? How many of you guys believe it is God's will to grant a mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit to his church in these last days. Amen. Amen. That's good. Bethany. Some scholars will say that Bethany means house of poverty, but it can have a double meaning. It can be house of figs. Beit Ani. House of figs. So let's continue to read. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he's going back to Jerusalem now. This is day two. He was hungry. Do you remember in John chapter four, where Jesus is sitting by a well in the heat of the day, waiting for a Samaritan woman, asking for a drink because he's thirsty. Jesus enters in voluntarily into our weaknesses, but in the midst of it expresses his heart's desire. She was thinking primarily cup of water. He was primarily thinking the satisfaction of the worship that his creation brings to his heart. So Jesus is hungry, but what is he hungry for? Well, he's looking for figs. Right? He's, he's looking at a fig tree. It says from a distance, he sees a fig tree. Remember, Bethany means house of figs. House of lowliness, Jesus came in on the colt of a donkey, house of figs. Jesus is hungry and he looks at a distance at a fig tree in leaf. He went to it to see if he can find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. And he says to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. 
Now you may listen to that and say, why was Jesus so upset? It clearly states it was not the season for figs. Well, the problem is this. He is the creator. That tree is the creation. That tree was created to respond to the creator. The tree was created for one purpose, to reveal the majesty of God by birthing fruit for the glory of the creator. And when the creator is present, when the manifest presence of God comes, where is the offering? Where is the offering of the fruit of our lives that he's looking for? Jesus was on his way back to Jerusalem, the place he should have went to go lay his head. Again, that's the house of God. Now, when Jesus is on the earth, he becomes the temple. And we know when Jesus ascends, we now corporately become the temple of the living God. God dwells not in buildings, although we use them, we need them. God dwells in a people. Amen. God is going to his house, what should be his house. But he wants to know if this house is anything like Bethany. He goes in the evening and he scans it with his eyes of fire that we read about in Revelation 2 and 3 when Jesus walks in the midst of the churches. He scans. He doesn't just see, like Michael said, our sins. He sees our intentions. He sees our hidden motives and our pride. Not just what we do, why we do it, what we're looking for. Jesus was a man of sorrows accustomed to suffering and rejection. When Jesus was born, he was born in Bethlehem. And there was no place, no place, no house that was available. Jesus was to be born, the son of God, the greatest gift God can give to his creation. But there's no house that would host him. Jesus was raised in a city called Nazareth. And when he comes back to his own town, it says the people that he grew up with are offended at him. He, he was not welcomed in his own hometown. He sends out his disciples two by two and he himself goes and he travels itinerantly. He preaches the gospel of the kingdom all throughout Israel. And often, often they ask him to leave. He casts out the legion from the man, the tombs of the Gadarenes, and they say, leave our region, go. He sends out his disciples into the towns around Samaria, and they don't want him to come. He can't come by through that way. And so James and John say, let us call upon fire from heaven because they're rejecting you. Jesus is, Jesus is accustomed to being rejected as a man on the earth. Jesus comes to Jerusalem. And he weeps over Jerusalem and he says, how long I have desired to gather you, but you are not willing. He was looking for a Bethany. He was looking for a Bethany. What was so significant about Bethany? I heard Jess preached on this a couple of weeks ago, so I won't get into too much of it. What was so significant about Bethany? A family that we know of. Maybe other things, but for sure, 
the thing that the scriptures is abundantly clear about. There was a family there that made Jesus feel at home. There was a brother and a couple of sisters that made Jesus feel at home. We know Jesus even as, was it this morning you preached about Lazarus? Yes, you, you, you referenced him. It's, it's in Bethany that Jesus raises Lazarus from the death, from, from the dead. It's in Bethany that Mary breaks the alabaster vial. You know, once you break a vial, you can't reseal it. You can't reseal a broken vial. It's not like she sprayed a few. She's like, well, I want to make sure I save some for later. She broke the vial, right? A year's worth of wages. What was most to be treasured, she placed upon him. She poured upon him. Anything of worth that God may have graced us with, God, we poured upon you as an expression of love because love gives extravagantly to the object of its affection. It's not just the feeling. Listen, love is accompanied by feelings, but love is much greater than just mere emotion. It's a voluntary decision in our will to give all. So he comes to Jerusalem in verse 15, and he enters the temple, and he begins to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. He overturns the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them saying, is it not written that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it. They were seeking for a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And then when evening came, they went out of the city. Jesus comes to what should be the house of God on the earth, but he finds it's nothing like Bethany. He finds that although all the trappings of the house of God are present, the how on a heart level is missing. And so Jesus does what he often did throughout his ministry. He gives definition. Jesus gives definition. When we read in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus talking about the intent of the law, he says, listen, I haven't come to destroy the law. I have come to fulfill the law. But then Jesus gives the intention behind the law. He says things like, you have said that you should not murder, but I say to you, if you, have, if you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, you're a murderer on the inside. I say, oh, I'm sorry, you have heard it said, you should not commit adultery, but I say, if you lust on the inside of your heart, inside of your heart, You've committed adultery. Why is that? Because lust takes. Love gives. Love is a, lust is obsessed with gratifying itself. Love is intent on the benefit and the good of another. 
So Jesus, he, he gives definition and definition is important. We need definition. When God creates all of creation, he gives definition. He gives definition to man, to woman, and then Adam as a co-regent, ruling underneath God's sovereignty, starts to give definition to animals and the way that creation itself works together unto the glory of God. So Jesus gives definition and he says, listen, my house has been redefined by man. And, and two things, maybe more, but at least two things stand out to me. He finds them doing what? All the trappings of worship, but not what he desires. They have treated sacred things as common. And they are treating worship, which is giving unto him, in a way to benefit themselves. So they take sacred things and they treat them as common things. And instead of making it about God and others, they make it about themselves. But in what way? In three ways. As it relates to house, as it relates to prayer, and as it relates to nations. God calls his house on the earth the kind of house that he wants to go and dwell in. Not omnipresence kind of house, right? The bottom of hell, according to Psalm 139, has that. I don't want that, right? I don't want that kind of presence. Yes, felt presence, but even more, I don't want to be on the outside of the outer courts. The new Jerusalem is the holy of holies that descends from the earth. That is our future. That's our destiny, God dwelling with men. The manifest presence of God, a house like Bethany. Amen? House, prayer, and nations. What does that mean? I want to submit a couple of thoughts to you tonight. I believe house speaks about family. The last verse that we see in the old covenant pointing to the new covenant the last verse in Malachi chapter 4 is that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, God will send Elijah, and we know it to be also the spirit of Elijah, and turn the hearts of fathers back to sons and the hearts of sons back to fathers so that God would not smite the land with a curse. Before the return of the Lord, God will reveal in the earth the revelation of family. And the reason he will do so is because God himself is a family. He is father, he is son, and he is spirit. God is a family of one. God is one, but he's three persons. Everybody knows that, right? That's, that's an issue in the Middle East. That's, one of the, that's actually the main issue in the Middle East. They're offended with the fact, well, I talk about this all the time. They're offended by the fact that God can be a family, but God can be one. But in, listen, in the last generation, God will pour out his spirit and reveal, even as Mike was preaching about this morning, what did you call it, the Trinitarian conversation? The Trinitarian conversation. The closer we get to him, we recognize what is, what, who do we worship? What have we gotten ourselves into? This is, this is much bigger than what I even understood. I didn't even understand what I was saying yes to when I came to that altar. And I'm listening by the spirit of father speaking to his son. 
by the Spirit back to the Father about a people, God is a family of one. And it creates creation to bear his image. So he creates a man, but he says, it's not good that you're alone. Let me create a woman for you. And then it says, they become one. They're not the same person. They become one. And the goal of these people is that they would enter into the promise of redemption to be filled with the Spirit, justified, glorified. Why? So that the Son can have a bride and that the Father can have children. Amen? God is the God of family. We live in a day and age where there is an attack against family more than I've ever seen in my 40 years on the earth. The spirit of this age is trying to redefine family. Redefining biblical sexuality, redefining biblical masculinity, redefining biblical femininity, attacking the family unit. At a base level, the church's family made up of multiple families. House, God is concerned with family. Family's not an afterthought. Family's not a peripheral issue in the kingdom of God. Family's foundational to the revelation of who God himself is. How can God dwell in a house that doesn't look like him? God is family. He cares about our marriages. He cares about our children the way we raise them. He cares about the way we raise our children. Raise up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I don't care what the, what the local... <laughs> I don't care what they say. What does the word of God say about how to raise your children? Listen, seek the scriptures. We don't just go about just kind of in the dark, just trying to figure things out. No, no, intentionally pray and fast for your children. Read the scriptures. Make decisions that will reflect the value systems of the age to come. God's house is a house. When Jesus speaks in John 14 through 17, the farewell discourse or the upper room discourse as it's called, I believe it's the second longest uninterrupted portion of Jesus speaking in the New Testament, the first being the Sermon on the Mount. He starts out in chapter 14, verse 1 and 2 with, in my father's house. There are many rooms. He's about to leave and he wants to have a conversation with his disciples. He washes their feet, including Judas, who is the antithesis to Mary, right? Mary spills that of greatest worth upon him. Judas takes that of greatest worth unto himself. Those are two different gospels. Those are two competing houses of prayer. In 14, the very beginning of 14, in my father's house. And then it ends in 17 with a prayer. And this is the prayer in 17. Oh God, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be one in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me in verse 22, I have given them. Why? So that they may be one as we are one. 
I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. Not a oneness based upon the reference point of the local sports team. Listen, I'm a fan, not of the local sports team. <laughs> but I'm a fan of sports, right? One, listen, one of the things about sports or anything in life, military, organizations, right, businesses, if, 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 listen, if you don't have a common vision, if you're not on the same page, if there's not a healthy communication, you're not going to succeed. You can have a bunch of superstars on the same team and not win the championship. I'm thinking of somebody's name. I'm not going to say But Jordan won. Okay. Right? Listen. There, there must be, even in the world, as a reference point. But the kind of unity Jesus is talking about is not the local sports team or the local business. He says, even as you and I are one, you have given me your glory, the glory of oneness and family. I have given it to them. I have expressed to them what it looks like to be family on the earth. God, make them family on the earth like we're family in heaven. Make them, make them one that kind of way. Make them a house. Make them a house. Amen? A house of what? A house of prayer. A house of prayer. Our highest call in life is to minister to God as family. To minister to him. To minister before his face. Love is the greatest law. There's nothing, the scripture says, against the law of love. God wants love to minister to him. Uh, I believe there are certain things, even as Mike's been sharing the last couple of days, prophetic narrative, things that we're going to see come to pass in this house, I believe in our work in the Middle East, and I believe in works all over the world, God is raising up his house of prayer in the nations. A people, a family that mirrors divine family by virtue of divine communion. By virtue of divine communion. A people that look like Mary. Of Bethany that sit at his feet to hear his word if we don't sit at his feet to hear his word we will hear and see everything else around us and what does she see what is Mary's what I'm sorry what does Martha see if there's one church that I know of in America that has heard this passage more than anybody else I think is this church. <laughs> you guys could probably quote it backwards. <laughs> Luke 10, backwards. But what, what does Martha do in multiple languages? What, is, what does Martha do? She is serving. She's serving. Now listen, the third thing is nations. Service. Family. Prayer. Family, communion, service. The third thing is service. She's doing service without 
communion, at least in the moment. And what does it cause to come up inside of her heart? Oh, ish, it's, it, now this breakdown on house, because now she's, she's looking at her sister like, and then, and then she looks at the Lord funny too, because she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the mission alone? Don't you care? Don't you see me out here working? Like the, like, like the Shunammite in Song of Songs chapter 1, who's been burned Church hurt. People are going to disappoint you. Disappointment happens when, you, when we pin expectations on people that they were never meant to fulfill in our lives. Disappointment comes when we set expectations too high on man. Not that we should believe nothing. Listen, we need to believe the best about people. Not that we should think of nothing of people, but we should pin all of our hopes on God and love people. So she looks at God and she says to, to God in the flesh there, she's looking at the Lord and she says, don't you care? Because for a moment she took her eyes off of Jesus. She, she, her heart, there was interruption. There was an interruption between her communion. She wasn't receiving. Listen, prayer at a heart level is conversation. It's, 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 God is inviting us into the divine conversation. He's inviting us. Have you ever been to like a, to a table? We just had dinner last night. It was good. Now they have dinner. I'm imagining every night, unless they're fasting. We were invited into the conversation. We were invited to the table and we got to join the conversation, the family conversation. That's prayer. Prayer is when God invites his people to the table to join the Trinitarian conversation. That's prayer. He speaks, you listen like Mary, you speak back, you talk back. But when he speaks, it's not just the exchanging of information. No, as he's speaking, he's creating things on the inside of you. As he's speaking, he's inserting into us the very revelation of who he is, his nature. He speaks, his words are spirit and they're alive. Then we are animated by the spirit of God, empowered, we speak back. That's prayer. We're called to minister as priests before the Lord and nations. We are called to give our lives because of love because of love, because fundamentally love gives. God, the famous passage, the famous passage every evangelist should know, God so loved the world, this is the gospel, that he gave. And the picture is God, who is the greatest missionary, the son puts on flesh and leaves the glories and comforts of heaven and comes down to earth and humbles himself to such a stage that he actually has to learn the alphabet. Love. Love has to look like something and it looks like going and giving our lives, serving because of love. House, prayer, and nations. 
God gives definition for his church. And so we'll close on this. Jesus is crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. That is the gospel. Amen? That's the gospel. You remove one of those elements, you have not preached the full gospel. But before he ascends, he says to his disciples, he says, go tarry in Jerusalem until the spirit of God comes and endues you with power. And he ascends and he sits at the right hand of the throne. And we know from the scripture, as John the Baptist speaks of Jesus, he is the only one that has the authority and the right to baptize with the Holy Spirit from the right hand. If you want to know what Jesus is doing besides making intercession to his father for us forever as a priest, he is looking, always looking for a place he can lay his head. Listen, they said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. He said, foxes have homes that look like holes in the ground, right? Birds have homes that look like nests in a tree. The son of man doesn't have a home where he can lay his head. But the church, we are his home. We're his body. He's our head. He's ever looking for a place that looks like home. Why? Because he does one great work when he finds it. He pours out the mighty Holy Spirit of God. The manifest glory, not the omnipresence of God. Not even the felt presence of God, although that's part of it. No, the manifest glory of God. There are degrees to the presence of God. And we were created, we were created for him. Life does not make sense outside of the presence of God. The psalmist says, I looked around and I wondered to myself, why is it that your people suffer? But it seems like the evil prosper. They cheat, lie, steal, get ahead. And the psalmist says, but I'm persecuted for doing right. And he says, in my heart, he starts in his heart to get frustrated, that internal frustration. He says, until, you guys know this psalm, I think it's 77, he says, or 73, until I walked into the house of the Lord, the courts of the Lord, and I saw, and I understood their end is destruction. We live forever in his presence. Better is one day. Amen. Give glory to Jesus. Amen. Better is one day in the courts of God. Better is one day as a gatekeeper on the outer courts than years lived in the passing pleasures of sin that profit nothing. He has saved us by the blood of Jesus. He has redeemed us to a family. He has called us to commune with him, the, the greatest treasure of life. And he has invited us to obey him, to serve the nations around us. And it happens by being filled with the mighty and beautiful and powerful spirit of God. He calls his disciples to where? An upper room. He just finished talking to them 
in John 14 or John 13 through 17, where? In an upper room. And he says, just like this, there's going to be communion. Just like this, we're going to share a table together. Family. Just like this, we're going to go forth from here and thrust forth into the nations. And so it says that they gather together, 120, and they are in the Greek. Any, anytime I'm in the presence of a Greek, I'm careful to say what the Greek says. It says, I think, it says, it says they were together together. Meaning not just in the same room, but on a heart level. They were a house. They were a family. And what were they doing? Ministering to the Lord. Ministering to the Lord. And what happened? The Spirit of God came down. And in what form of all forms? In tongues of different languages that will communicate the beauty of Jesus to the nations. A fiery tongue. It could have been anything. It could have been a fiery hand. Right? It could have been a fiery foot. We know Jesus has one from Revelation chapter 1. Right? Feet that look like they're burnished, stuck in the fire. No, a fiery tongue. A tongue of communion. A tongue to sing to the Lord with. A tongue to, to speak to him with. A tongue to love your wife with. A tongue to preach the gospel with. A fiery tongue from heaven. A fiery tongue. And that's what Jesus wants to do tonight. He wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Listen, people often ask us, they often ask us, what is your greatest need in Iraq? What's the greatest need that you have? And I usually say, do you have $10 million? No, I don't say that. No, no, I tell them, no, I don't say that. When I tell them in all honesty and integrity of my heart, I say, I think to my, I thought about, I thought about this many, many, many times, like really searched my heart. And thought to myself, God, what is the greatest need that we have? And there's many. Some of them are natural. We need labors. That's a great need, labors. Local labors. But then I, th I think to myself, no, all of them pale in comparison. They pale in comparison. I could write a list out, but one of them is, is, is far beyond the two through whatever. We need a mighty baptism in the glory of Jesus Christ in the love of God, in the power of his spirit. We need to be immersed. I want to live from the place of, of the glory of God in his presence. May God find the Bethany in my home. May God find the Bethany in, in our ministry. May he find a Bethany where he can rest. Because if he is there, although the new Jerusalem might not be on earth, it's in my heart. It's in my heart. And all of life has purpose and meaning from that place. Amen. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.